Well, since you asked, usually I get $5 a bag. What? That's right. $5 a bag? I don't think so. Look, you asked, I told you. You got some nerve trying to take advantage of us. All right, look, we're late. Thank you very much. You're lucky I don't report you. Come on. <laughs> JFK. Honolulu. Well, I don't want to be a secondary character. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year. Welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character, and welcome to the year 2021. My name is Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And hopefully, mate, this is a much better year than last year. Uh, we got, uh, well, we're at the tail end of Bidwabask. We got probably another 10, maybe 15 episodes max, man, and uh, and we're done. I think we're finishing in March, right? Yeah, I think it's March 17. It's uh, supposed to line up with the same date that we started this podcast in 2017, so it'll be four years if it all works out correctly yeah well we'll make sure it kind of works out it'll be poetic if we do finish on that day yeah we'll force it we'll make it happen <laughs> we'll make it happen indeed yep. we hope you've had a really good holiday in the last couple of weeks uh, i know it's been tough for a lot of people around the world especially today they've announced in the uk that they're going back into lockdown yeah believe it, it yeah it just seems to be a lot of countries not being able to catch a break no you know they sort of get a few good days and then they go back and then it's just all over the shop i mean in australia the cases uh, have re-emerged nowhere near as uh, much as america or or Europe, but uh, yeah, it's just every day is a bit of a, a bit of a trepidatious affair. We hope we have provided you with some comfort over these last couple of weeks regarding you know, depending on your situation, whether you've been at home or you've been able to go out or whatever it is, so we hope you're enjoying it. If you want to reach out to us and say hello and uh, you know, tell us what you've been up to during this festivist Christmas New Year's period, bidwabaskpodcast at gmail.com is our email address and you can also find us on social media at B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. But Stephen, we aren't really talking about the New Year today, we're talking about something which, or a place rather that I haven't been to for probably at least a year, maybe a year and a half at the airport. Yeah, that's right. We're going to a underrated episode, I'd say, from season four, episode 12. Uh, yeah, the airport. Yeah. How weird. Like these days, you know, we're doing an episode about the airport and it's called the airport, but it's something that you and I haven't been to for a long time. And uh, it kind of makes me cringe with those scenes in coach where everyone's sitting shoulder to shoulder. It kind of makes you cringe looking at that, doesn't it? Yeah. COVID-19 has given everyone a different perspective on uh, personal space <laughs> and uh, personal, I guess, customs and routines mm -hmm. uh, and uh, it makes you think things will be different going forward so yeah it looks strange going uh, looking back for sure absolutely I know it's really it's really weird like obviously it was different back then but it just kind of yeah it, it makes me a bit weird inside and just how easy it is for Kramer to get on the plane as well like pre 9-11 oh yeah you know I, I mean airport security it wasn't super lax but like I'm just reminded of Die Hard when uh, he's able to take a gun on board even as a you know he's a cop so they have a few more I guess they've got a bit more leeway in terms of carrying arms and stuff but taking a, a gun onto a plane pre 9 11 like yeah. it's just so weird i mean smoking in airports it's just yeah different time yeah and it was the time when terrorists in films were all europeans yeah just like <laughs> just vaguely european vaguely european <laughs> yeah. like americans playing or british pan, people playing european yeah pan european it's yeah. kind of german kind of russian kind of just yeah just european eastern european sort of whatever <laughs> bit of everything yeah. <laughs> yeah indeed anyway you can also follow our facebook page seinfeld isms the one of the largest facebook pages in the world yeah we put up memes and you can put up quotes and anything seinfeld 
Seinfeld related in your lives that have happened, much like our Seinfeldism segment. Go to Seinfeldisms and uh, check it out. We have over 110,000 members now. 116. Whoa, it's really ballooned since Christmas, hasn't it? Yeah, so up until I think late October, oh sorry, mid-October, just before the elections uh, in America, uh, Facebook seemed to change their algorithms and we weren't really getting any new members for nearly two months and it was quite concerning. And then about a week before Christmas, it just started ramping up again out of nowhere. So our guests, we've never gotten an official answer from Facebook. I've reached out to them twice and they've just given me very generic answers. I don't think I'm even talking to a person. No, Um, I don't think so. But the only thing I could make sense of or that made sense to me was that they, yeah, changed their algorithms to stop you know, misinformation and stuff about the election. And then once that was sort of all settled and done by mid-December, then they turned them back onto what they were. Yeah. Because that's, that's the only thing that made sense. Because now um, we're getting hundreds of requests a day, just like the old days. Well, I think in the last week we've gotten 6,200 new members, which is by far, but the previous record before that was maybe 3,500, yeah. 3,600. So it's yeah. bigger than it even was, which Every, is an amazing yeah. start to 2021. So yeah, join the fun. Indeed, join the 6,200 people plus. You be 6,201. Yeah, do it. Be our 6,201st. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Seinfeldisms, my friend, which we normally start with every episode, what Seinfeld-related things have happened to you uh, in the last couple of weeks since you've been here? So I had three occur to me since uh, we last recorded just before Christmas. I was listening to a podcast episode of a podcast called Axe to Grind, and it's a podcast done by three musicians in America, and they talk mostly about hardcore music um, and sort of hardcore subculture and hardcore history and stuff like that. And their episode, I think it came out December 22nd or 23rd, was called A Hardcore Festival. And it was basically their year in review and all the things that they didn't like about 2020. Okay. And it was a very long episode, as oh, you can imagine. Good. So lots to dislike in 2020. Yeah, it's been a very, uh, very interesting year in our lives. Yeah. For sure. Yep. Mm. Well, my second and third Seinfeldisms occurred. I was just in Adelaide for a four or five day trip um, over New Year's. And uh, they both occurred yesterday being the uh, day that we traveled back. So on the way back, we were going a more indirect route from Adelaide back to Melbourne. And uh, we noticed on the map, my partner and I noticed on the map that there's a small town in Victoria called Elaine. Okay. Yeah. Don't know much about Elaine. Well, I don't know anything about Elaine other than it's called Elaine, but uh, definitely a Seinfeldism. Great. And uh, the second one is we stopped, or I should say the third one, but the second one that happened yesterday, we stopped in a really small coastal town called Robe. It's in South Australia. Um, And there's an old prison, what do you call it? Like, not wrecks, but like ruins, like an old sort of colonial prison. And uh, it's got a lot of like engraved names, you know, like blah, 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 like Ivan was here or Jerry for Elaine or whatever. Right. And I noticed one of the names engraved in there was Milosh. Milosh. M- M-I-L-O-S. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> After his tennis career, he moved to Adelaide for <laughs> yeah. a quiet life. Yeah. Yeah, a coastal town. <laughs> yeah. Became a fisherman. He was like a wild card in the Australian Open in like 1991. Yeah, and he and stayed here. He went to Adelaide for a little trip or maybe like a pre-tournament, you know, competition. And he's like, I love it here. I love Robe so much, I'm going to stay here. Exactly. Yeah. Good for him. And when I saw it, I was walking around the prison ruins and uh, I quoted to myself, another game for Milos. Another game. And my partner, who is a Seinfeld fan and does get most of the references I dropped, said, what? what oh, talking about? She didn't get it. And I had to explain, you know, the episode. She remembered the episode, just not that particular line. But yeah. And, yeah. and now you're going through a separation. So oh, of course. Yeah, I've already started proceedings. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, after we record, I'm going straight to the courthouse and annulling all of it done. Reason doesn't understand Seinfeld. Exactly. That's it. That's yeah. a very fair reason. That's the first reason in the in their list of reasons. It you is. Know, it's like doesn't like Seinfeld, doesn't understand Seinfeld, uh, irreconcilable differences, doesn't like Seinfeld, doesn't like Seinfeld. That's right. It's four out of the five reasons. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, my Seinfeldism, it's not actually from me. It's actually from one of our fans who emailed us, uh, Holly from Canada. She's also one of our 
Patreon subscribers. So, hey, Holly, thank you for your uh, contributions and uh, thank you for emailing us. She emailed us just before Christmas while we were on break. She says that the following Seinfeldism happened to her just before Christmas, and I quote, I chipped a tooth yesterday. How, you ask? I bit down too hard on the fork. It's hard to believe with so much biting experience a person could still make a mistake like that. <laughs> and she says something like, love you guys, thanks for all you do. Oh, thank you, Holly. Yes. And that's a great Seinfeldism. It is. And besides Holly for uh, being on Patreon, we also like to thank our current subscribers, Nakia, Jeff, Neil, and Dan. So they're paying $2 US plus taxes every month, and they're getting bonus content, uh, Curbcast, our Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast, as well as season 11, which uh, we're going to release episode one on Friday, January 15, to all of you. But you can listen to the first six episodes on Patreon right now. So uh, sign up if you don't like waiting. Yeah, thank you so much for your support, guys. We really appreciate it. Indeed. And now, Seinfeld News, buddy. Now, I could imagine there's been a few articles on our break, but uh, how many do you have this week? Uh, only two. It was a bit of a quiet period, a quiet festivist period for uh, Seinfeld happenings. The first one, though, coming off 2021 with a bit of drama, the app Cameo quite, uh, gained quite a lot of popularity, especially among celebrities. In 2020, it's offering them uh, an ability to generate an income during a time when, you know, acting gigs is uh, are harder to come by. And the I think it was like the last week of December, maybe just before Christmas, the Cameo of CEO did an interview. And during that interview, he said that Larry Thomas, who played famously the soup Nazi in that episode, made in 2020 over six figures. He didn't reveal a specific figure. And, you know, it was quite a lucrative income source for Larry, which is great. You know, it's good to know. Yeah. And in response to that, a couple of days later, Larry Thomas was interviewed by a publication called Page Six, and uh, he expressed that he was quite unhappy with uh, Cameo CEO, exposing that he made so much money off the app. And he did go on to say that uh, the CEO, and by the way, his name is Stephen Galanis, Galanis um, had reached out to him personally and apologized for sort of, you know, divulging personal details. So a tiny bit of drama, but, uh, you know, all's well that ends well. Quite understandable too. I mean, you don't want your income being broadcast, no. you know, on no. like the internet. Uh, it's no, quite it's, understandable. Yeah, it's, it's private for most people. Yeah. Yeah. So a bit of drama to kick off 2021. Oh, it is. Well, good on Larry, at least, you know, I'm, I'm really glad because a lot of actors, you know, they might have played one role many years ago and then they're not really doing too well financially or maybe they just they've peaked already and they're not getting roles but at least Larry is one of the only actors I can think of who's kind of utilizing his famous role and he's still using it today and still making pretty good bank so he's uh, he's being very smart with the persona and the character yeah he's definitely taking advantage of it and I think the good thing is that it provides a stable income yes and he's still oh, very at... stable six figures yeah not too bad more than stable yeah thank you very much and yeah. I mean six figures could be a hundred grand up to nearly a million so, yeah yeah nine hundred nine nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. yeah I'm gonna guess it's lower but uh, yeah. still still pretty good. Still pretty good. Yeah. For, yeah. for doing, you can watch a, a lot of the cameo videos that he does um, on YouTube. A lot of people post them up and it's basically the same thing. He's sort of got a, not totally scripted. He does change it according to uh, the purchaser's request. You know, he'll change it to a birthday or an anniversary or whatever it is, but he's kind of got it semi-scripted. So, you know, if he just does one or two of those a day yeah. without really even thinking and just mentioning whoever's paying for it, not a bad gig. Plus he's played the character so many times. Yeah. It's verbatim to him. Yeah. He wouldn't even need to sort of turn on the acting brain. It just comes out, mm -hmm. and because half of the half the cameos is not in character, he's just talking like a normal person, yeah. and then he turns the soup Nazi on and off throughout the throughout the video. Your sister had one done, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah she yeah. did actually early, um, late last year. Oh, yeah, so, early last year. Yeah, my yeah. brother-in-law got one for her for her um, for her fortieth, which was in July last year. Yeah, and it's again very similar. You know, ninety percent the same, and then he just changed the her name and a few of the personal details. Yeah, so not too bad. Mm. Uh, second bit of news, and this is sort of a good, I guess, interview to read if you're 
trying to sort of change a few things about yourself or trying to get into the typical, you know, early January bettering yourself mode for 2021. We'll see how long it lasts, though. Mm, we'll see. Yeah. Jerry, uh, just before Christmas, appeared on a podcast episode with uh, the Tim Ferriss Show. Tim Ferriss being a very famous podcaster, also the author, I think, of the 4-Hour Workweek and those sort of like motivating self-help type books. I think he used to be a tech guru as well. So he sort of falls into that kind of category. I still need to outsource all my stuff. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, Tim yeah. 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 And Jerry, obviously talked a lot about comedy um, you know the comedic process but they did get into sort of personal development and motivation and all the things that helped Jerry and interestingly he revealed that he practices regularly practices even to this day transcendental meditation and uh, weight training so in the interview he talked to Tim about that um, he talked about how he got into weight training in the 90s um, and that was just to help him stay focused and stay fit especially while putting the long hours in during Seinfeld and that transcendental meditation really helps him with his comedy because you know a lot of the time comedians are sitting there trying to write jokes um, and it's quite exhausting for them mentally because they've mm. really got to, got to sort of scrutinize their brain for the best material of course and transcendental meditation helps him focus and sort of you know keep centered and, and keep the creativity flowing so yeah we'll put a link to that episode as well as the previous article uh, in our show notes and if you want to check that out yeah get motivated and maybe pick up some new habits for 2021 uh, and be like Jerry then uh, it's all there yeah if you want to outsource all your <laughs> menial tasks to yeah. somewhere in India or Philippines or wherever and do that too yeah <laughs> that's what Tim Ferris recommends I think yeah, yeah I think book. so yeah, yeah I haven't actually read it, but I've you know heard bits and pieces over time. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, outsourcing is one of his uh, his main pieces of advice. Mm, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, a bit of drama and a bit of uh, motivation for 2021. Oh, what a oh god, what an omen or what an ominous uh, way of looking at 2021. Yeah. Anyway, let's take a really quick break, my friend. And when we come back, we are talking about season four, episode twelve, the airport and its interesting secondary characters. Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law, and uh, you are listening to. But I don't want to be a secondary character. The Airport first aired in the US on November 25th, 1992, directed by Tom Chirones and written by Larry Charles, one of my favourite writers in Seinfeld. Yeah, no, he's one of the good ones. Yeah. In this episode, Jerry and Elaine are on their way back to New York, but learn their original flight has been cancelled. As a result, Jerry ends up being in first class and Elaine goes to coach. While Jerry has a wonderful flight with food, champagne, and a beautiful blonde model as a seatmate, Tia, played by Jennifer Campbell, Elaine suffers through the flight from hell. Back in New York, George and Kramer are supposed to meet Jerry and Elaine, but the change in flight and then a change in airport has them running all over the place. More mayhem ensues when Kramer thinks he recognises someone from his past, a guy called Grossbard, played by Alan Wasserman. Other secondary characters are Scott Burkholder, he plays the prisoner, Dick McKenzie plays a security guard, Maggie Egan plays a ticket clerk, and one of my favourite characters in the episode, Mark Christopher Lawrence plays the sky captain, the guy who deliberately sends Elaine's bags to Honolulu. <laughs> Honolulu. JFK? Honolulu. He's great. <laughs> he is. Actually, some interesting trivia about the episode, Steve. Uh, Larry David, he does the voice of the man who orders the kosher meal. Yeah, no, I noticed that. It's uh, it's pretty recognisable. <laughs> why did you eat? Why didn't you say something? I ordered it six weeks ago. Uh, six weeks ago, I forgot. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> what trivia do you have? The uh, episode, you, uh, sorry, the writer you mentioned, Larry Charles, he actually makes a cameo in the episode. He is credited as the stinky man. He's ah. the man who exited the toilet when Elaine cops a whiff and oh, has to hold yeah. her breath. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, that weird looking man, the tall man oh, with the long yeah, hair and the cap. Yeah, That's yeah. actually Larry Charles. Oh, it's Larry Charles. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Yep. Lovely. Lovely. Um, in this episode, George makes a reference to the film, the 1962 film, I should say, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Uh, George's line in the airport shop to the uh, prisoner, I guess the, the serial killer. But ye are, Blanche, ye are in the shackles. But ye are, Blanche. Ye are in the shackles. Ye are, Blanche. Ye are in the shackles. Is what Betty Davis says to Joan Crawford in the film. Okay. Apparently, yeah, they had a bit of a rivalry back in the day. Yeah, they were full on like enemies. 
enemies. Yeah. Those two. Yeah. 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 I always knew, like, I never knew what specifically that was referencing uh, until we looked at the trivia for this episode. But even as a kid, you know, with this first episode, uh, when I saw this episode for the first time in the 90s, I figured that that's obviously some reference to something old timey beyond my sort of knowledge. But yeah, it was interesting to find out what it was actually for. It was actually for. And yeah, I, I heard that, like, the like, Betty and Jane, Joan would nearly get into brawls, you know, yeah. fights during filming. Like, the, apparently the filming of this one was, like, really tough. Yeah, right. Like, those two were together, I think, for, like, the first, maybe the first time or two, and they fucking couldn't stand each other. Yeah. So they're like, <laughs> filming was a pain. So you could see, like, their characters really come out. Yeah, I guess yeah. it would have paid off on screen. Oh, I'm sure it would have. I haven't seen the film, but I'm sure it was fantastic. Huh. Two dynamite performances, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. This episode, it was actually meant to have a lane with a passenger who dies next to her, and it was actually inspired by another writer or producer from the show Joan Van Horn, which actually that happened to her. So she was on a flight and someone died in front of her or oh. died next to her. But the writers probably thought that was too dark. So they went with uh, what they went with at the yeah, airport. I think it makes a bit more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another bit, or oh, the last bit of trivia I have is that it was unused bit of uh, scripting and, un- and an unused idea is when um, Jerry and Elaine are at the uh, ticket desk figuring out who's going to be in first class. Initially, they were going to um, do that. I don't know what the game's called. It's like an American thing where you go like, you sort of say one, two, three, and you hold out, hold out fingers. Right. It's like shoot them or shooting or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's almost like rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were going to do that to figure out who got the seat, but they thought it was better if Jerry just sort of acts selfishly and is like, I'll take first class. Yeah, because Jerry's arrogant because he says, I've been on first class. Yeah. You haven't been on first yeah. class. I know what first class is. Yep. And so. there is a, another scene, I think it's Jerry and George, they're trying to figure out who should get something and they do that shooting thing. So yeah, I think it would have yeah. been a bit old if they did it again. If, yeah, it would have been a bit of a you know an old time game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anyway, enough about trivia. Let's get into the airport's secondary characters. Shall we start with Tia Van Camp? Sounds good. She's played by Jennifer Campbell. She's known for appearing in the TV shows Boy Meets World and Baywatch. She's also appeared in the next episode of the series, The Pick, and in the character montage in the pilot part two, that is the season four finale. Now, we talked about Tia quite a bit in The Pick episode, and we get introduced to her, obviously, in the airport. She's obviously in first class. I'm guessing she's flying to New York, probably for a a fashion shoot, or she's from New York, uh, because in the next episode, she actually does a shoot for Calvin Klein. Yep. Yeah, we find out. So I'm guessing she's probably from St. Louis uh, or something, and maybe she flew to New York to do the shoot. What, is, is that what we said something along the lines I of I can't that? remember something. I can't yeah. remember specifically, even if we talked about where she was from. Yeah. I don't, I don't think we, when we were talking about the pick, I don't think we realized that. I think we probably mentioned she was in this episode, but not where she was coming or going. Sure. So I think we just assumed that she was working and living in New York. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. assume the same. Yep. I mean, she's obviously a uh, very popular model. There's paparazzi waiting for her when she uh, is departing the airport. So I, I would assume that, you know, there, there are models who are famous in the modeling world, and then there were models who were famous sort of outside into pop culture, like you know, Elle McPherson or Cindy Crawford. I don't think she's that level of famous, no, you know, no. like a supermodel. I think she's somewhere in between where she's famous amongst uh, famous amongst sort of the fashion modeling world, but she's also got a bit of general celebrity outside of those worlds, thus the paparazzi. Mm. I mean, if she was around in the modern day, she'd be like an influencer. She'd be on Instagram. She'd Probably, be TikTok. Yeah. She'd be doing all that crap. Yeah, she'd yeah. be, yeah, a social media model maybe. She sure would. Or a model that was made famous by social media. One yeah. of those two. And the point I was getting to was that I think it would make sense if she was living in St. Louis, you know, there's probably not a lot going on in St. Louis in terms of fashion and, and modeling and stuff. Yeah, very So true. maybe she's from there. Maybe she was back there just visiting family. Yeah. You know, or, you know, maybe there was a job there. Maybe there was a location that was St. Louis specific and she just went out there for a job. But I would assume that if she's sort of at the peak of her modeling career, it would make sense for her to be in New York, even if she's not from there. Mm-hmm. I think she's living and working in New York at this time. Yeah. My guess is like she did, like, I'm, I'm paralleling your ideas here. I think she's probably from St. Louis and maybe she's always grown up 
doing modeling, even like as a child. She would have joined done like pageants. She would have been like, I don't know what the competitions are. She would have been like Miss Teen St. Louis or yeah. Miss St. Louis or a contestant. Yeah, she, she might have tried Miss America once. She could have and, also done like acting, anything, yeah. anything with uh, in front of an audience. Yeah. And maybe Miss America, she represented what what state St. Louis? Is it Missouri? Uh St. Louis is St. Louis is in Let me have a That's look. a good question. Let me have a look. Since the election I've forgotten where everything is. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, that's where Michigan is. That's yeah. where this is. Yes, yes, yes. But a week later I'm like, where where's St. Louis? Yeah. Uh, in Missouri. It is so Missouri. Okay. So I'm guessing she probably represented she might have been Missouri. Miss Missouri. Yeah, Miss Missouri. Or she represented Miss Missouri at Miss America. Yeah. Miss or teen pageants, whatever. Maybe, maybe she competed against Miss Rhode, Miss Rhode Island at oh, some point. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> They've got it. They've, imagine if they had a rivalry. Boys, gals. Boys. Guys. Yes. So I feel like it's not something she just slipped into. I feel no. like it's something she's been doing. No, she, she seems very comfortable being a model. She's yeah. very self-assured. You know, the stereotype is that models are very, like, insecure. Um, and they're models because they seek the validation of others. They like the attention. But, uh, you know, she seems very confident. She doesn't seem like a typical, I hate to say it, but the stereotypical sort of, especially in the 80s and 90s model. Yeah. Yeah, she seems very self-assured, confident. She's got a really, not arrogant, you know, she she's like, she's happy to chat to a perfect stranger, Jerry, even though yeah. Jerry's very charming. She's not sort of, she doesn't see herself as above him. No. She's impressed by his knowledge of nothing. <laughs> which most people would probably not be impressed by. They'd be like, I don't care. Why are you talking about Sundays? I'm guessing most of the guys she meets are probably like airheads. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Jerry, he's not dumb. He's not an intellectual man. But, uh, you know, he's witty. He's charming. He's funny. He's different. He's interesting. So, yeah, I think Jerry is a bit of a a different type of guy that she would typically meet. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, I think she's just... One step away from being like a, an Elle McPherson or Cindy Crawford or Naomi Campbell, like those, yep. those like, you know, super famous, uber famous uh, supermodels. I think she's one, you know, if there are levels, I think she's one level below them. One, one or two down from that. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. she's appearing in a jeans ad, you know, it's probably Levi's or, or Wrangler or like a famous American jeans company uh, in Esquire, which, you know, only top brands tend to advertise in Esquire. Mm-hmm. That's the magazine that she appears in. Yeah. So she's obviously in big budget shoots, you know, big budget ad campaigns. She's not just sort of dealing with lower or smaller level uh, or medium level fashion brands and, and budgets and stuff so no. she's right up there and plus she's got to shoot with calvin klein in the next episode exactly so yeah. even bigger yeah and like she's got paparazzi you know seinfeld is a famous comedian in in this world at this time but he doesn't have paparazzi no so, you he know, doesn't yeah <laughs> there you go but yes we do talk about her also in the pick so uh go back to that episode we did that last year sometime and i think it was maybe early last year late yeah last, late 2019 maybe just just go back or you can search the pick in your feed and uh, find it yeah and we talk about in full or even more detail in that episode too. That's right. One thing I wanted to say before we uh, move on is that I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but uh, when she's, it kind of cuts back, you know, the, the a common sort of comedic dynamic in this uh, in this episode is the differences in treatment between Jerry and Tia in first class and Elaine and her um, rude passengers and, and flight attendants in, in coach. Uh, and there's a scene where it cuts back to her and she's halfway through a story that she's telling Jerry about a creepy photographer. I think she says that, that the photographer says, you know, you've got to cover your breasts. And uh, she's like, I thought this was an ad for shoes or something. You know, what have my breasts got to do with whatever yeah. we're... No, you've ad- got to put your breasts together. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah you've yeah, got to yeah. squeeze your breasts together. So it's like some perf. Yeah. yeah and yeah, yeah. when she's telling the story, she's not telling it in a way... She doesn't look disgusted. Like, oh, no. this cre-. She's just telling it as just this random story. She's just really naive sounding almost, doesn't well, it? 
I was going to say she just sounds, I mean, I'm sure she didn't have a good time when that happened, but she seems quite well adjusted. And I think that's a reflection of her professionalism. Yeah. Um, and just her being very good at what she does. She's sort of, you know, even the creeps don't bother her. Yeah. She doesn't let, she doesn't let the creeps rattle her. Yeah, you're right. I feel like it was something along the lines of, oh, I've seen it before. Or yep. when I was younger, you know, I didn't know what to do in those situations. Yeah. But now I look at it and I laugh and I'm like, oh, you're an Yeah, idiot. It, it just seems you know? to be water off a duck's back. As yeah. opposed, she didn't, when she was recounting the story to Jerry, yeah. she didn't seem like she was bothered or creeped out by it. Yeah, true. Initially, she probably was, but now after the fact. And I think that's, yeah, just a testament to her experience, professionalism, and just her personality. And her clout in the industry too. Yeah. I mean, like you said, she's a tier or two down from like the supermodels of the time. Yeah. So for her, you know, this is just like another day in the office. Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, another creep, another photographer, whatever. That's it. Yeah. One yeah. that I'll make sure there's blacklisted. Half or... of the course. Yeah. Yeah. She knows that she's got the power. She does. So yeah. Indeed. Good for Tia. Good for Tia. Yeah. If, if Seinfeld wasn't scratching his nose that time, then who knows how far they would have gone. She could have been the one. They could have been a power couple. Maybe. Who knows? I yeah. mean, there's nothing else wrong with her or, yeah. you know, Jerry seemed to like her. I reckon so. Jerry would have eventually gotten jealous of her success. I think so too. I mean, Jerry, Jerry's pretty like comfortable in his own skin yeah. he's pretty good at like managing fame even though he's not super famous but uh you know throughout the series he does show signs of insecurity so i reckon it eventually would have gotten the better of him yeah and uh it'd be something yeah he would have he would have resented her <laughs> level of success you know maybe he thinks that he should be at that level in his world not but yeah there would have been a reason yeah and obviously with seinfeld like the longest girlfriend or the longest relationship he had was with rachel goldstein yeah for like three four episodes yeah and that was a record for him yeah so you know yeah <laughs> it's fine yeah even a, even a successful beautiful smart, well-adjusted model wouldn't have lasted for no, Jerry. No, no, he would have found a reason. Different worlds, different kinds of people. Yep. Anyway, let's talk about uh, Kramer's enemy from 20 years ago, Gross Bard. He's played by Alan Wasserman. He's appeared in the films Big, Suburbicon and Cocktail, starring Tom Cruise. Can you believe it? He's also been in Curb Your Enthusiasm. He was in season two which we did for Curbcast for Patreon. He was one of the HBO executives. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> didn't even occur to me. Not the main one, but one of the others. One of the, yeah. the secondary ones. The secondary ones. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> I right. have to go back and look at it and I'm like, oh yeah, mm. that's him. Huh. Holy shit. Wow. Yes. He's also appeared in other TV shows that you like, uh, including The Sopranos as well as The West Wing and Gilmore Girls. Okay, I'm trying to think who he played in Sopranos. He was in one episode in okay. season six, oh, okay. five, I think. Probably just played a minor character. Probably, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah John Grossbart is his name. I like when, It's my favourite scene in the episode when uh, Kramer and George are... I think they're going from JFK and then they find out the no, flight LaGuardia. Gent- yeah, oh, they're going to LaGuardia and then they're going from LaGuardia to JFK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when they find it and, he, and Kramer's like trying to remember him. He's like, who is that guy? Oh, no, no, that is JFK. That's yeah, the they, they they initially they're going to LaGuardia and then I think they're going to JFK. Oh, no, no, sorry. No, they're in JFK. After they find out the flight's rerouted, they're on their way to LaGuardia. That's right, yes, And yes. Kramer's trying to figure out who he is yes, and he's yes, like, yes. he's like, gross by. John Rolspar, right. just the way he says it, it makes me laugh. I love the, I love the scene where they're going from LaGuardia to JFK. Yep. And they're like, the, oh, John Rolspar, the bell tolls for thee. Yeah. <laughs> and then Kramer just guns it in the yeah. car. <laughs> so good. Puts his foot on it. I liked, like, as a bit of a side note about this episode before we talk about him. I liked the dynamics between George and Kramer. There's not many episodes where they do things together. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good to see them get along. Yeah, and I like the chemistry between Jason and Michael, especially in the scene where they're heading to JFK in the first leg. And they say oh Kramer says I'm off to the duty free store and yeah. they do like a little song about the yeah. duty free store and it's, yeah, it's how does the jingle go again oh it's um, the, the, the duty free store yeah the duty free store yep yeah and it's just yeah and they both sing it together it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a nice moment it's a nice moment I actually I, I liked it I liked the dynamic from them it reminded me of the very opening scene when uh, Jerry and Elaine are on their way to the airport and you know there's a bit of lighthearted banter between them that's there's right a, like sort of like well like well natured ribbing I guess between friends you know Jerry calls her a, a $10 hooker I think. yeah $10 hooker give me $10 and, and, 
does and you'll find out. Yeah, and yeah. Elaine goes along with it and there's a bit of yeah, there's a bit of personal banter between them. It's mm. nice. Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. And you can see like even Jerry kind of breaks character a bit yeah. when Elaine says the $10 line, she's like give me 10 bucks and you'll find out and Jerry's like, "Oh." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's like it's kind of flirty, but it's not it's like harmless flirty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not based on any residual sexual tension. It's just friends sort of giving each other a bit of shit, which is nice every so often. Yeah, it was nice. But anyway, going back to Grossbard, I feel like he was probably how old was Kramer at the time? Like late 30s, mid late 30s? Yeah. He's, he's a bit older than the others. Yeah, I'd probably say 40. Or 38, yeah, 40. 38, 40. So, so Grossbard, he would have been 18 or 20. So I assume Grossbard's probably around the same age, maybe 30s. Maybe. He looks a bit older. A bit I'm going to say early 40s. Maybe okay. he was like 22, 23. At the time, At the time yeah. when Kramer... Say, say Kramer was 18, 19 and Grossbard was 22, 23. I feel like Grossbard probably had a really troubled life when he was younger. Like maybe he was into maybe crime. Okay. He, like theft. He stole, you know, like not organized crime, but you know, he'd do like yep. maybe, you know, he he was probably in juvie or something. You know, maybe he he just he did he fell on the wrong side of the tracks. And I feel like Kramer is telling the truth about Grossbard. He did yeah. steal the money. Like Kramer isn't like being paranoid or anything. Mm. Grossbard probably just took the money and fled. Maybe he was on the run, or maybe he owed Lone Shark's money and had to flee or something. I don't know, something happened. Yep. You know, and then now he's traveling with his wife. They're probably just going on a nice holiday, and I feel like he's left that past behind. Yeah, he's uh he's t- at some when he turned a corner he turned a corner yeah and it's funny when they're in the uh the duty-free store and um they're looking at magazines Grossbard kind of looks at kramer so kramer says that's Grossbard. you know that guy looks very familiar in the first time they see him Grossbard kind of looks at kramer like he does know him have you know did you notice that yeah like he kind of says that guy i know him yeah it's uh it happens twice i mean yeah, they never yeah, yeah. they never say for certain in this episode whether it is john Grossbard. you just have to rely on kramer's memory and uh Grossbard, you know if it is him he plays dumb or he genuinely doesn't remember kramer on the plane um but i've got a feeling it is yeah because of that look he, he sort of gives kramer a bit of a double take and he looks a bit uncomfortable yes, a bit yes, concerned yes but it also happens at the um flight panel as well with the information about the flights when kramer first recognizes him Grossbart as he's walking away you know he comes up and he's like oh flight whatever you know leaving whenever with his wife come on honey and then they walk off he looks back at kramer and he yeah. sees kramer looking at him so he knows who i think he, he clocks he clocks it. i mean maybe yeah. maybe Grossbard doesn't recognize him the same way you know kramer's like i know that guy but i don't know who he is yeah maybe maybe Grossbard's like i know that guy he looks familiar and yes, it takes yes. him a while to cotton on yeah but i think by the time he's boarded the plane and by the time Kramer comes on and you know I like how he pulls his hair back and yeah, gives him a side profile you remember this like 20 this? years ago you know what is it the corner of 18th and something street yeah and he's like, yeah, give me a wallet. And he just reaches into his jacket. It's so good. I think by then he, yeah. especially with those details, like, you know, Kramer looking at him, side profile, slicking his hair back, giving him a few details about where they lived, $240. All those details combined would have made him go, oh, shit, this guy. I remember this. Yeah. And, um, and, and he I, and continues I this, to play dumb. Yeah. And I left this life behind. Yeah. I don't want to relive his memory. Yeah. 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 It, you know, his, car, his past coming back to haunt him in a way. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, we don't know any more than him. I mean, we do rely on Kramer's testimony yeah. on him and we don't see him again on the but show. Kramer seems Kramer seems so certain, you know, and he's willing to sort of follow him to different airports and board a plane. I think unless if you had any doubt, I don't think he'd go. I mean, it is Kramer. He he does sort of latch onto his own ideas and really really follow them through, but. I think you'd have to be pretty certain to go that far to board a plane over a debt from 20 years ago. Yeah. You know, like and, and, I, I trust Kramer's judgment. And again, the fact that Grossbard twice gives him some like double takes. Yeah. yeah. yeah it makes me think that it is him. Even when uh, Kramer says that he'll get refundable tickets, yeah. even George calls him out on it saying, you're going to do all this just for $240. Yeah. Which is basically. unlike George as well. Like, yeah. You know, he, the fact that, you know, George is trying to encourage Kramer to just let, you know, let the debt go yeah. is very unlike George. But, but, but George wants the frequent flyer miles. He's yeah. like, oh, you take it. Yeah. And I love, I love in a later scene how Kramer says, oh, George looks at the ticket and says, did you get super saver tickets? Yeah. It's a non-refundable. Yeah. 
Let's say good. Yeah. Uh, George, the, yeah. George, the lady talked me into it. Yeah. <laughs> Even after George specifically said, get these types of tickets, you know, because I'll get... Yeah, just, she uh, talked me into it. So dumb. <laughs> so, so dumb. Good. The only other detail I had about Gross Bart is uh, if you pause the scene where he's in the duty-free shop and you see him with a book, you zoom in on the book or you, you look carefully at the book and uh, the only word you can make out is Bradbury. And I looked up famous authors in the 20th century who would have books at airports and uh, it came up with a guy, actually I didn't catch his new... Uh, his first name, but uh, whoever Bradbury was a well-known like mystery and sci-fi author. Oh, right. Um, it kind of reminded me of airport books like by, um, you know, like Dean Koontz and uh, Stephen King. You yeah, know, you a- see airport, like the, the, the airport literature. Yeah, the paperbacks you see at airports. So, yeah. you know, maybe uh, Gross Bart is just a, a sci-fi fan, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. That's the only other detail I could really figure out about him. You don't know anything about him. Or he just likes fiction in general. Yeah. Like he happens yeah. to be reading a sci-fi novel. Yeah. Because he's not just holding the book, he's holding it open. So he's interested enough to actually crack the book open and, you know, give it a bit of a read or read the synopsis or whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to I'm gonna guess he's a fan of that genre. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's good. But yeah, we don't really know any more about him. But yeah, I can only hypothesize that, yeah, he had a bit of a rough life in his 20s, probably got into some crime, yep. low-level crime. And yeah, he took the money from Kramer, you know, not to rip Kramer off, but maybe to get away from... Someone or well, something. he probably figured it's better to have a debt with Kramer, who's harmless, uh, than it is with you know potentially dangerous person. Yeah, loan shark or whatever, a bookie or a bookie. drug dealer or whatever, yeah. something along those lines. And yep. yeah, he gave it up and found his found a woman, you yep. know, settled down, and twenty years later, he's living a normal life. Yep. He's left that past behind. Yep, except for Kramer. Except for Kramer, who who comes back to jog his memory. And yeah. Kramer, after all that, still doesn't get his money back. He no, gets he escorted, you know, and probably his name's on a list somewhere, like a no-fly list or something yeah, like that. Yeah, well, well, the security guard grabs him. But it's funny how it's only like one... Like, we were talking about how lax airport security was pre-9-11. Only like one security guard grabs him. Yeah. If it was like now... Yeah. There'd be like twenty freaking air marshals grabbing him. Yep. You know, and airport and, cops and, and stuff and they'd cuff him. They, oh, he couldn't go anywhere. And they wouldn't just sort of casually march him through the airport. They'd no. take him to like a secure building and like question him and like of who course. are you? Yeah. You know, like have you got any weapons? Are you gonna blow you know, they'd they'd interrogate him. Of course. And it's funny how like one guy's just like loosely holding his yeah. shirt and Kramer gets out of it and he runs off. <laughs> and and in in a further demonstration of how lax the security is at the airport, somehow Kramer ends up on the tarmac yeah. close <laughs> enough for the planes to run. I love how Jerry looks out the window and he's like, Couldn't be like <laughs> Yeah. He's just like Kramer appears long enough for him to confirm that that's Kramer. It's not like he just flashes in and out once. Like he's there for like five or eight seconds. That's yeah. long enough to go. And Kramer is an unmistakable person. He is. And you would expect Kramer to be there because he expects him to be there when he picks him up. So the fact that he's, I don't know, like he's just, he's like, no, couldn't be. It could. <laughs> like, no. All these good things have happened. Shot I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't, isn't happening. Yeah, this yeah. this whole flight has worked out for me. You know, Kramer. I mean, it doesn't really affect Jerry, but it's just so like out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah it's good. Yeah, <laughs> very good. Anyway, let's talk about the prisoner. That's what he's credited as. He's played by Scott Burkholder. He's appeared in the films Con Air, Crimson, Crimson Tide, rather, and My Fellow Americans. Now, I was hypothesizing what kind of criminal he is, and I'm thinking because the fact that he's on the cover of Time magazine and it has the word "court" with his portrait on it. I think he's probably a serial killer. He's been on the run for years, if not decades. He's probably like one of those serial killers. You know, because serial killers were so prevalent in like the 60s, 70s, 80s. Yep. You know, at the time when DNA forensics and stuff were basically non-existent or very in its infancy, so serial killers could get away with yep. so many murders. I feel like he's probably one of those guys who's been on the run for like 10, 20 years. Yep. Probably gone to different parts of America, slaughtered people, you know, and then kind of moved on, one of those kind of things. So that's probably my guess why he's on Time magazine. I'm very surprised, though, that, like, I'm, I'm, this is my guess here, but I, I'm surprised that George didn't know who he was when he saw him. Like, yeah. Because you think someone that notorious, you'd probably look at their, like, he's probably been on newspapers, TV for, like, 
years and George would say, oh shit, you're that serial killer. You know what I mean? I'm really surprised George didn't know him. I don't know. Maybe the only photos before the front cover of Time are like older photos, maybe looked a bit different. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's aged like 10, 20 years. Yeah. And then they they got a tip off somehow and they finally got him. Yeah. You know, the FBI got him up. Yeah, because a lot of the time, if you look at like the FBI's most wanted list, it's photos from like 20 years ago. Sure. And they digitally age them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Or I don't know, maybe George just, I mean, there are tons of people in the world that are really famous amongst groups of people that I have no idea about. Yeah. It's just because I've never encountered those people in any way. Yeah. True. Um, true. So it could have been that. Who knows? Yeah. Obviously, he loves reading Time magazine. He says, I never miss my time. Never miss it. He's not just getting it because he's on the cover. No, no, no. I mean, he's proud that he's on the cover, obviously. But uh, he would get it anyway, even if he wasn't on the cover. Because even psychopaths have a hobby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> other than killing people. Other than, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And doing weird things with their bodies. <laughs> yeah, among other things. Yeah. Again, airport security, very lax. George is on the plane by accident and they take off. Kramer gets thrown off on that flight, obviously. The prisoner's in the toilet unguarded and he grabs George quickly when no one's looking and beats him. Yeah. he. Uh, I mean, you don't see what happens. No. But I mean, George doesn't look too worse for wear. Uh, you know, when he's on the plane and he's yelling in the window, he's like, Kramer. Yeah. As he's flying to wherever he's going. Like, he's not bloodied and bruised or anything. He looks no. a bit disheveled. So, I would assume that one of the, the guards escorting the, the prisoner through the airport when he gets his magazine, even though he's in the toilet alone, I'm sure they were standing guard maybe just outside. Well, I mean, you don't actually see them when George goes no, in there. Don't. But yeah. I, I reckon they would have been pretty close by. Yeah. And, you know, they would have heard something going on in there. I don't think it would have been a... If there was any fight or tussle, I don't think it would have lasted. No, no, no. I think what probably would have happened is maybe, like, the serial killer was, like, threatening, like, to get the Time magazine off him. And George was probably like, no. I'm not giving you that. Like even 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 with his life being threatened, he probably still didn't relent. Yeah, George's George's yeah. stubbornness knows no bounds. He knows no bounds. Even when his life is on the line, and I feel like probably maybe one of the security overheard all the staff, and yep. then security just jumped in and grabbed him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like I said, when you see George's face in the window, he looks, probably he looks, it was probably moments before they jumped in. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably like a moment later they came in. Yeah, because yeah. I think if he was in there for. 10 or 20 seconds, yeah. you know, he would have gotten a black... You know, there would have oh, been some been physical damage. Yeah, and there's there's nothing wrong with him. His hair just looks yeah. a bit disheveled. He looks more disheveled because he's on a plane rather than, like, damaged physically. I think also because they wanted to make it comedic as well. I think yeah. it probably would have been a bit too dark if yeah. George was, like, beaten within an inch of his life yeah. and he looked very bloodied and bruised. I yeah. think they wanted to make it more comedic, you know? So so Jason gave, like, a comedic you know, performance in that scene with the Kramer. Yeah. So, yep. yeah, probably that too. I was wondering about the caption on the Time magazine cover. It says, Court. Mm. Do you think he had been arrested for, you know, assuming he's a serial killer, and he became a fugitive, or... He'd never been arrested for his murders, but they were just trying to catch him. I think the latter. Right. I think he's always, he might have been a suspect. Yeah. Like, I don't really watch too many or read too much things about serial killers, but I'm guessing he probably committed the murders when he was younger, and then probably he didn't want to arouse too much suspicion, so he moved states, mm. got another, like, low-paying job, committed a couple other murders, etc., etc., etc. Now, I feel like with, like, forensics, you know, technology being, like, improved in the 80s and the 90s, I feel like the FBI had the technology to really catch him, mm. and maybe they found like a blood sample on something and then they traced it back to him he yep. might have already had a criminal record maybe he got done for he like low like level a, crime he seems like a pretty aggressive guy yeah I mean, maybe even, he got even, done for like assault and battery or something yeah you know um i mean even shackled you know with two prison guards he sort of threatens george yeah. openly in public he's yeah. like you know a blurb you're a blurb, you're a blurb. and he starts kicking yeah. and stuff you yeah, know yeah, to, yeah. to try and get george so i he, think he's got yeah. Quite an aggressive nature. Yeah, I think it's the first time he's been arrested for the mass murders. Right. But I think he's probably had a criminal record for something else. And yep. then they traced his, like, with the technology, traced his samples, blood, semen, whatever, back to him. Yep. 
and then they found him a match fingerprints whatever and then they're like yeah he's the killer gotcha. and then he confessed to the other murders like yep. yeah i did him i killed another 10 20 people True. like all right cool yep all right and he's done and he was probably going to get transported to like maximum security maximum security yep. yep yeah assuming he got prosecuted in new york state i don't yep. think they've got the death penalty so no, probably no. life without parole or something like that yeah something like that in a, in a maximum security prison you know 23 hours a day in his room and one hour a day for exercise and yep. sunlight yeah probably something, Some, like that. something like that for that egregious crimes or those egregious crimes that he committed yep yeah yep and uh, all the time magazines he wants indeed anyway um did you have anything else on the prisoner uh no nothing about him any other characters yeah i've got a few notes on the um sky captain i didn't know what a sky captain was before this we don't have them here in australia no, and no. i've never even seen them in international airports or i've seen like baggage handlers but not out the front of the airport and uh did a bit of research and apparently i don't know if they still exist i guess they do but in the 90s at least or up until the 90s they were kind of like concierges for your bags where yeah, you, you yeah. turn up to the airport and then they sort of accelerate the check-in process for you so you just go up to them you give them your bags you tip them they do all that annoying administrative stuff that you have to do yeah. you know pre-boarding a flight and they just accelerate it for you actually, um yeah, you actually, know and, yeah. but if you don't want to spend the money or if you've got time or whatever you do it yourself they're That's just right, kind of yeah. like they're they're an optional you know fancy extra yeah but actually funnily enough when i was in the u.s we flew from vegas uh, the airport mccarran i think it's called mccarran airport to lax and at mccarran um there was actually a couple of sky captains out the front oh. yeah yeah and they had like the bags and you could do it but there were a lot of automated ones like automatic baggage drops inside yep. so most people were using them not many people were using the sky caps mm. so yeah but I, I think i saw one or two at the okay front. yeah, well, yeah, yeah. but there were barely anyone there right yeah yeah probably I, easy just to put it on like an automatic i probably look i probably have seen them or something equivalent but i fucking hate airports yeah, so I, yeah. I, I think i blocked every airport experience out of my <laughs> mind because i i just despise airports, especially now with covid oh just in general yeah yeah, yeah. covid or not airports to me are just the worst it's mm. just Oh, I just hate them. <laughs> you can't stand them. No. But yeah, no, I, I feel like um, the Sky Captain was probably lying when he says he gets $5 a bag. Yeah, because he, he looks around to see if anyone's listening. He's like, hmm. He's like, for people like you, you know, $5 a bag. And he... Yeah, and, th- and he even he tries says to, to them, it looks like you, you guys don't look like you know what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's trying to get one up on them. And uh, Elaine's onto him and doesn't like being called out. Yeah. So uh, in revenge, he sends the bags to Honolulu. And a nice little touch at the end of the episode when, uh, you know, Elaine says, oh, I can't find my bags. And it cuts to Honolulu Airport. And yeah. there's like a lay, like a wreath on Elaine's bag. And yeah. And there's the, like Hawaiian music playing yeah, like, in the background. Yeah. And it's going through the conveyor belt. I love it. Yeah, it is good. Nice touch. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. No, I really like this guy, Captain. Um, he's only in the one scene, uh, but he's got sort of a lot of sass, a lot of attitude. Doesn't yep. take a shit, even though he's trying to swindle them. I don't know something about him. He's good. He's, yeah. I like his attitude. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah. Uh, the final secondary characters I've got some notes on. Uh, just the two uh, flight attendants. Sure, I didn't get their credit. Yeah, I looked on both of their name badges. The only one that I could make out was the first class flight attendant, uh, and it says R. Dot Harris. So her name's Rachel Harris or yep. Rochelle Harris or something like sure. that. Rochelle, Rochelle Harris. <laughs> Rochelle, Rochelle. Yeah. The Male flight attendant, the coach flight attendant. Oh, the really snarky one. <laughs> yeah, super yeah, yeah. sassy. Yes. I don't think he's sassy to people in general because he treats Jerry very well. You know, he greets him very pleasantly and That's politely. Right. It's just a lane. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's just coach people. <laughs> or coach people. Yeah. yeah. He, he sees them as inferior. Yeah. Or maybe he, he normally does like first class shifts and he got shifted mm. to do coach and he's like, oh, I hate, I hate Yeah, he's coach. a bit dirty. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he, he seems to really have it in for Elaine and Elaine sort of doesn't do herself any favors. Well, Elaine gives him a hard time a bit too. Yeah. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. He, he's more rude to her than Elaine back, is yeah. back to him. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just like him. He just sort of just doesn't take any shit, doesn't no. care. No. Just like whatever, sit in yeah. your seat, shut up, eat your food, fuck off. Like, <laughs> That's yeah. right. Doesn't fuck around. 
Do you have any other characters? Uh, yeah, just the first class flight attendant. Again, oh, yeah. R. Harris. Just complete opposite. Very pleasant, very polite. Uh, seems to know a lot about French cooking. I mean, it would be a requirement of her job. Yeah. And a lot about uh, flowers. You know, she comments on the, the flower arrangements in the bathroom um, and the different floral notes that they can smell. Yes. And wine from the Tuscany region. Uh, yeah, that's right. Tuscany. Yeah, from Tuscany. Yep. Ooh, on tonight's menu, we have Chateaubriand, which I didn't know what that was. And apparently it's a way to cook steak or some sort of meat in oh. French. It's like a cooking method. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm guessing probably butter. <laughs> Brion. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Brion. Yeah. Brioche. Butter. Brion. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. Something yeah. like that. Something like that. You know, yeah. If you're French and like French cooking or like French cooking, let us know. Yeah, please. Yep. Or I could just look it up. Whatever. <laughs> Indeed. And I do like how she, she's very perceptive. I think she runs a very tight first class because as soon as Elaine sits down, you know, and and she's not roaming the first class like path, um, but she she sees Elaine. I reckon maybe she was sitting. You know how um, you know during nighttime and stuff, the the attendants tend to like sit up the front. Maybe she just keeps an eye out, like she peeks out the front curtain to check up on the first class passengers. Maybe she saw like Elaine's silhouette on the other end of the the first class section, like sneak in and sit down. <laughs> yeah. She's onto her straight away. Oh yeah. You know, within three or four seconds of Elaine closing her eyes, uh, you know, she taps on her, and you don't even hear her approach. You just you just see a hand reach out, say, "Excuse me, yeah. excuse me." Yeah. So I reckon she's very perceptive, very good at her job. Plus. There's not as many first class customers as coach. No, so she's probably. No, like, you, you would notice an empty seat being filled all of a sudden. There's probably like a dozen customers that she has to take care of. Yeah, you know, compared to like the hundred in the back. And I do vaguely recall, I think there are more than one or two empty seats, you know, when, when it has the scenes in the first class. Yeah. Like you yeah. see the random empty seats. So, yeah, very perceptive. Yeah, and she uh, knows. onto it. She is indeed. Yep. <laughs> Actually, just a quick side note before we uh, go to break. I really liked Elaine's physicality in this episode. I think yeah. JLD's like, we always talk about Kramer and Michael Richards' physical performances. I loved, like, especially Elaine being in coach, you know, bumping into chairs, bumping into people, trying to get to her seat. I think that's just fantastic physical comedy from JLD. Yeah, she sold, she sold the awkward experience that is a packed a flight that doesn't have much room where yeah. you sort of stumble over people and people aren't like very willing to let you out. I've had similar experiences where, you know, you've got to go to the loo and they've just fallen asleep and they're like, yeah, you know, it's many like, times for me too. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and they take it personally. It's just like, mate, we're all, we're all stuck in here. We've all got to sort of help each other out make it as comfortable as possible. And her annoyance is very relatable. Yeah. You know, when she sort of, when she climbs out of her seat over the guy with the luggage, the male passenger, and one of the guys like, and he, and she gets right up to his face and she's like, yeah. I mean, I would never do that. No, but, no, no. But just how frustrating it is when people are like, I don't know, it's like, we're all uncomfortable. Of course. Like, just, just suck it up. And then right at the end, you know, Elaine is trying to get back to her seat after <laughs> coming back from first class. She doesn't even try to be polite anymore to the guy. She just yells while he's asleep. She, hey. She just goes, hey. Hey. Yeah. She just doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. The first couple of times she's like, oh, I'm really sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, can I get yeah. in? But by the end, she's just had enough. She doesn't done. care. Yeah. I love that. So, yeah. Just a side note about the episode that I yeah, really Yeah. No, I, I really agree as well. Indeed. Anyway, let's take one more break. And when we come back, we are going to rank the airport in our episodes we have done so far and we're going to reveal if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20. So he says squeeze your breasts together and I say I thought this was an ad for shoes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my. (laughs) Is that the new Esquire? Yeah. Turn to page 146. Wow. Coming out of the shower. It's a good thing they gave you that washcloth to cover yourself up. What what is this an ad for? See those wrinkled jeans slung over the chair? Way in the background, out of focus. Uh Uh-huh. 
Now, Stephen, out of 157 episodes that we have done so far, we are, like we said at the start, at the tail end of Binbubask, finishing up early this year. Where does the airport sit for you, my friend? It sits at number 66. 66, very yeah. good. Yeah, so uh, not a mind-blowing episode, not a bad episode. Liked all the secondaries. Uh, I thought some of the storyline was a tiny bit weak. Jerry's storyline didn't really care for. No. I mean, that the point of Jerry's scenes was to sort of punctuate how much Elaine was suffering. That's right. You know, in yeah, contrast. Yeah, yeah. The scene would go from, like, juxtaposed from Elaine's bad experiences to Jerry's opposite experience, like his good experience. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's a pretty common dynamic in Seinfeld where Jerry sort of comes out, you know, even Stephen at the end, as he says, and everyone else kind of suffers around him. And I don't know, in this episode, it was just, it was frustrating. Like normally that's reliable and, you know, it's funny. But the fact that Kramer loses money and gets potentially, you know, blacklisted from flying, you know, George gets potentially beaten up by a serial killer. You know, Elaine has to suffer a bunch of insufferable instances in, in coach. And Jerry just sort of like swans through the episode and nothing, you know, and at the end he gets a supermodel's phone number or a near supermodel's phone number. And it was a bit frustrating. Yeah. Um, you know, it would have been good for Jerry to suffer maybe once or twice, just slightly. But yeah, overall, like you said before, I liked the playful kind of friendly banter between George and uh, Kramer. Kramer throughout yeah. the episode. Yeah, me too. And also Jerry and Elaine at the start. Um, but yeah, pretty good. What about you? Yeah, number 77. Um, so like you, not a mind-blowing episode. It's an enjoyable bottleneck. I do like the bottleneck episodes where they're, you know, out of you know the usual surrounds of Jerry's apartment and monks, etc. Um, yeah, I felt like the Kramer Grossbard thing, I felt like it was just kind of like shoehorned in just to bring Kramer to the airport. I mm-hmm. mean, there was probably no need for Kramer to come. I mean, George could, probably could have done everything by himself. You know, he could have had the serial killer storyline with him and... You know, all that stuff. But, but then he wouldn't have said, John Grossbar. Yeah, that's true. The bell tolls for thee. You know, that great line. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, there were a few other things that could have been a bit better, but I did like Elaine's subplot. Um, You do make a good point about Jerry. I mean, nothing really happens for him, but at the end of the day, he does get like a new girlfriend for the next episode and yeah. that's when everything goes to shit. So true. it is like even Steven. So the airport, everything good goes for him, yep. but in the pick, everything goes bad for him. That's true. So everything does even out but over two episodes that's a good point actually. yeah 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 so it does he, he is always even steven yeah regardless but yeah i mean some things could have been better but i did enjoy the episode fair enough yeah any, any of the secondaries appear in your top 20 uh no none for me what about you buddy uh no but uh shout out to the uh sky captain oh yeah he was wicked yeah loved him anyway that was another episode of bid thank you so much for listening we are in the year 2021 and we have some many exciting things steven and i are going to do over the year we are finishing up but i don't want to be a secondary character in march And we've got some bonus stuff coming out, including a season 11. It's an original series where Stephen and I read out an episode of Seinfeld that we've written in the, uh, well, set in the 20 years or so after the events of the finale. So that episode, episode one, will be coming out on Friday, the 15th of January, 2021. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, every Friday from then. And uh, that's on top of our normal Wednesday episodes of this, uh, of which this is the first one of uh, this year. So you'll be hearing us from next week or this week, rather. You'll be hearing us twice a week for the next 10 or so weeks. That's right. Until the end. And uh, after Bibble Bus, we've got lots of other things that we're working on, things on the boil. And uh, we'll reveal those in time. In the, mean- sure. in the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email Bibble Bus podcast podcast at gmail.com check us out on social media and uh, you can support us financially as we said on patreon or via paypal non-financially as well if you don't want to commit to any money uh, that's fine as well you can listen to all of our episodes and rate us or review us on your podcast app of choice and finally we do run the biggest seinfeld community on facebook seinfeldisms uh, we're up to about one hundred and sixteen thousand members now so uh, check that out if you want to join the fun indeed and next week we are traveling to season seven and we're talking about the doll the doll and its secondary characters classic episode yes 
Harris, another classic from season seven with that doll that looks exactly like Estelle Harris. Creepy. <laughs> Very creepy indeed. Anyway, you take care of yourselves and each other and we'll catch you next week. Yeah.